We are just 24 short days away from the first full Saturday of college football. Welcome into Second Down. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you here with us here. Hump day. I know that makes me the worst kind of person to say that, but I'm, I'm saying it. So here we are. Maybe the one of the greatest commercials of all time. You know what day it is. Okay. Yeah. No. Very, very but anyway, cool. we'll, we'll move on from here. Mike, 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 Mike. Correct. There we go. See, at least somebody else is on the same page as me. Everybody in the car might be mad, but that's all right. I was just sitting there thinking like, man, I can't, because you said 24 days. I was like, man, I can't wait till you can say 24 hours, you know, just like right, right around the corner. And then you hit me with hump day and I'm like, it just, it just kind of shocked me for a second. What I kind of like is, and I try to do this often because I realize how awesome my job is and I try not to rub it like in people's faces because like, I used to be a worker who like had to be in an office at a certain time doing a certain job sure. and listen there's a lot that goes into this I'm not trying to say we don't work hard yeah no. like because I speaking <clears throat> for myself and I know for you as well maybe not that three and out show but we yeah, I mean, we work hard yeah right for sure so I'm not trying to say that but our job is awesome because when I was working in an office it was all right let's just it's Monday College football is so far away, <laughs> right? Yep. It's Tuesday. Yep. I still have to get through four more days until I get to college football, right? Here it's Sunday to kind of like come down from what is just a roller coaster every single Saturday. Mm-hmm. So Sunday to kind of come down, you get to watch the Falcons and the Jaguars get just annihilated. And yeah. then once it's like the you're halfway through the first quarter and that's happening, you can just kind of take the rest of your Sunday off. Maybe watch a little bit of the primetime games, but just take the rest of your Sunday off. Like, enjoy nature, people, all that kind of stuff. And then you come back out on Monday, and we're talking about college football. Yep. And we're yep. doing shows. Right back at it. Right, like, we're doing shows. And then Tuesday comes around, and we're starting to look ahead towards the weekend, and we're talking about college football again. Then Wednesday, you start getting, like, the feeling, like, all right, got to start getting everything dialed up for Friday nights because Thursday and Friday – hugely busy with high school football right and it just it dials you in and you're like those two days fly by and then all of a sudden you're like oh crap here we go game day yeah yeah get after it, it that, that's even more like insane because for, for the normal like you said like we we have been insanely busy with with high school football over the past several years so it's i don't know for anybody else but for me it's it's like those days almost don't really like they kind of exist in college football world but not not in to the same amount as they used to, like especially Thursday. Thursday's always like not an insanely good game. You're never going to have like a three versus two on a Thursday night in college football. But sometimes you have like the the 20 versus the unranked and then the 20 ranked team gets gets upset or whatever. So like, you know, there's there's Thursdays like that. And uh, it's it's I'm not I don't know. I've just been thinking of it. And it's like it kind of has has faded back away in my mind because of all the high school football things we, we do during the football season and uh, have, have been doing for forever. But it's it's just like it starts right there for a lot of people, and then you go in Friday, maybe talk about it a little bit, but really it just gets amped up even more for Saturday. Heck yeah, so it's, it's just it's right around the corner, brother, basically what I'm trying it's to right, say. Yeah, it's right here. I know it seems like these days drag on forever, but it's right, it's right around the corner. And we're talking like, sorry, uh, we're talking <laughs> We're talking like real football too, not like, you know how I I, I listened to that uh, conversation you had with with Joe 
test tour a, a few times and just uh, hearing kind of him talk about the same thing that, that we've been talking about off air a little bit is like, you know, May, July, you know, May, June, July kind of come around and it's like you want to just talk football, but there's so much to the business side of it happening all the time over the past five or six years that you just talk about that. You get into this time of year, you can really talk football again. Yep. Like X's and O's. Can't wait. And I'm excited for it. Yeah. Again, Georgia, Oregon coming up September 3rd uh, in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game there in Mercedes-Benz. Dan Laning uh, coming out today saying, listen, we've been preparing for Georgia since day one. So since he left, said he's been getting the Ducks ready for Georgia. Like That's a very anti-Kirby smart in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I because can see that. Like, you, you hear Kirby smart and it's always, listen, we're focused on ourselves. Yeah. Right, right. Even like during game week, it's just like, like we're focused on getting ourselves better. Right. right? Whereas Dan Laney coming out and saying, no, we're not going to beat around the bush here. Like, yeah, we've been getting ready for Georgia since day one. Right. I, uh, maybe you expect him to say that, cause, seeing as where he, he kind of came from. Like, it, whereas, like, he knows how good Georgia is, obviously. And he knows the ins and outs. So the first thing he wants to do is get them in that mindset of, all right. You know what? Let's go beat these guys. We could do it. Yeah. Not saying, who knows if they can. Well, no, it's like but, it's it's just you don't really ever, that you don't ever really hear that. It's it's always we're focused on ourselves. Like this time of year, I wonder like the top five rankings of like the most common things you hear this time of year is we're focused on ourselves. Yeah, we're getting uh, ourselves better. We can't yep. ready to hit a team with a different color jersey on. Yeah. Right. Uh, they're, they're, we're definitely making progress, but we got things to work on. Mm-hmm. Right. The new guys, they're coming along. But they just they, they gotta get experience. Just all the all the storylines you hear this time of year. Yeah. It's that are just whatever. One of my favorites is like the, the quarterback that you know has the job locked up and it's uh the, the coach comes out and says, No, everybody in that room knows it's competition. Every everyone yeah. in that you gotta be able to compete. So it's like, like so I guess right. but what I'm saying about Dan yeah. Lanning is we, we know the typical coach speak and that's what yeah. we've gotten out of Kirby Smart so far, and that's all we ever really get out of Kirby Smart. But Dan Lanning coming out and saying, I thought it was a moment of honesty, which is Hey, we got in here, we locked down, we looked at the recruiting boards, we got all that ready to rock, and then we were like, okay, how, like, is there a bigger dream scenario to kick off our program than knocking off the defending national champions in our first game ever? Right. Right? Probably not. I like like that moment of honesty, but also, Dan Lanning spoke about this a little bit last week as well, is he's doing it a little bit different as well, where Georgia has a very set schedule with availability, if people are going to talk to the media. Number one, Freshmen don't talk to media. Yeah. Right? If you want to hear from a freshman, wait 365 days, that's when you'll hear from him. Even if it's like Brock Bowers, who was one of the best players in the country last year, you don't hear from him. Right. Right? And then coordinators you get twice a year, and then you get Kirby Smart because he wants to be the voice of the program. Now, mm-hmm. there's a couple of ways to look at it, which number one is, oh, if Kirby Smart is trying to control the narrative, wants the spotlight for himself. If that's how you're looking at it, it that is too simplistic of a view and you're looking at it wrong. The reality is Kirby Smart didn't want Dan Lanning or Todd Munkin or any of his other coordinators having to worry about answering questions. He wanted them worried about how are they going to physically dominate and massacre another team. Yeah, That's all he wanted to worry about. And Dan Lanning mentioned that. He said he was so grateful for Kirby Smart during that time because he took that off his plate. He didn't have to worry about a beat reporter coming to him and go, oh, Nolan Smith only got 30 snaps in the last game. Uh, what? I mean, Dan? Tell us about the other guys, right? He didn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. He just had to focus on coming up with schemes to dominate Clemson. That's all yep. That's all he had to worry about. And so he said he was grateful, but at the same time, he was like, we want to give 
other people the opportunity to come out there and speak. So he's just kind of doing it his own way. And so I thought that was interesting, but uh, the more interesting of the quotes I thought was, we've been getting ready for Georgia since day one. Yeah, yeah. And and like you said, that I think there, there's a few different ways you can take it. Uh, and and I will agree with you. I do appreciate the, the honesty. And yeah. kind of calling your shot, well, not calling your shot, but but calling out, like, listen, no, we're, we're focused on this and – since we've been getting ready for the football season here, we've had this circled on our calendar because we know how big it is. We we know how big Georgia is, and we know how much we want to win this game and also how important it is to our season. Like, there's there's so many different good reasons and, uh, you know, things that I appreciate about him saying that. I will say the only thing that, like... I don't know. The, the only thing, I guess, that, that kind of takes me aback about it, even though I do like it, like it, it, that's the weird thing, is I have seen this system with, with and this uh, recurring theme with the solid teams of football, of sports, really, whenever you, you see them with, like, the dominant programs, right? The, the programs that even when they're bad, they're somehow good, like, programs like that, no matter if it's high school football or, or college football, whatever, like I said, this seems to be a recurring theme. And I feel like kind of everyone's starting to pick it up and it's turning into coach speak, which I kind of I, yeah. I don't like. But a lot of programs that are really solid, again, like this, have answers like like Kirby Smart. Like, no, we, we don't. As long as we're playing at our best, no one can beat us. So I will say that that it does kind of sound like, especially with these two programs and Kirby Smart being one of those guys, it does kind of sound like Kirby yeah. Smart, the program that's kind of been there and is coming off a national championship win, you know, like, listen, no, it's all about us figuring out our stuff. And kind of the underdog, the, the, the guy who's trying to get there, obviously, yeah. saying, you know what, no, we're coming for you, though. I just think, you, I just think you have to be careful, though, because if so that means since day one, I mean, since you arrived following Georgia's national championship, you've been getting ready for Georgia. And maybe he's being hyperbolic there. I don't know. But I think to a I, I, extent, but yeah. I can tell you this. We're, like we said, 24 days away from getting ready. And if you think when Kirby Smart says, hey, we're focused on us right now, if he doesn't have analysts and his coaches already looking at tape yeah. and putting together a game plan, you're out of your mind. But in terms of how they practice, yeah. because you have to think about it. Once you get into season, it's you got a week. Right, you have Sundays to rest up and go get recovery, and then once you're back on Monday, it's a work day, right? And you're getting ready for three, four days to take on that team that coming week, and then once you get closer to Thursday and Friday, depending on who the coach is and what program it is, start going through walkthroughs, right? You just kind of ramp down towards the end of the week. Tuesday is typically gonna be your toughest day, right? That's when you're gonna do your popping. Monday or Tuesday, right? Then after that, you start to ramp down. Everybody healthy, everybody treatment, get ready for the game. But you have that one week span to get ready for a team. Whereas if you're doing what Dan Lanning's saying he's doing, I'm not trying to question him. I'm just saying there's some danger to it. You are spending, say if you say we're starting to get ready for Georgia today. You're spending over three weeks getting ready for one team. Mm-hmm. Amping up for that, right? The letdown you can experience yeah. if you, like, hey, we're focused on Georgia. We're coming in. We're going to have so much time to prepare for them, get our guys ready, get them in our system. We're going to have stuff for Georgia they've never seen before. I'm Dan Lanning. I coached their defense last year. I know all the recruits they got on that team. I know what makes Stetson Bennett tick. I, I, I We're going to come in with a game plan they're not ready for. And then you get beat by 25. Yeah. The letdown emotionally for not just you, but your players, your coaches, your analysts put together uh, 
the packages that they're showing to players about what they're getting ready for, it, it just kind of puts question marks in people's heads. Yeah. So I think I do think you have to be careful for the emotional letdown there, but also I, I just think consistency is key. And so you don't want to make this game bigger than any other game. Right. And, and significance-wise in your season, this game doesn't matter. If you're Oregon you lose this game, okay, you lost to the defending national champ, still got 11 more games on the schedule. If you win all those and then go to your uh, conference championship game, win that, all of your goals are still out there. Yep. So I, I would be just careful with saying, hey, we got to win this game, and we're, we're pouring all of ourselves into this right now. Hell, when uh, you'll see Alabama or Georgia go to the college football playoff, and they have a month between the bowl game and where they are now, mm-hmm. it's a like going back to spring practice. Yeah. They're just going back to basics. We're working on tackling. We're working on route trees. And like obviously, again, they're scheming up for whoever they're playing, but that doesn't start until that week, maybe two weeks ahead. Yeah. Treat it like a bye week, but maybe two weeks ahead. Right. But you take those other, what, two, three weeks, and you just go back to spring practice, basically. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, that's, again, if you prepare for them for a month, even if you win that game, all right, now you got a week to turn around and right. take on like that. like 10 days because it goes from like yeah, a Saturday yeah. to a Monday. But, right. yeah, it's just, I thought that was an interesting statement from Dan Lanning. Uh, also interesting here, uh, some news coming out of Jacksonville in terms of the Georgia-Florida game, the biggest storyline that Kirby Smart's been feeding you, and I, I got the quote pulled up here. Uh, he says, when Auburn plays Alabama, guess where the recruits are? They're at Auburn. When LSU and Alabama play, guess where the recruits want to go? It's an opportunity for us to bring these kids who fly in from all over the country. What game do they want to see? They like to see Georgia play Florida, but they can't do that. So his point there is they can't provide them with an opportunity to see that game. Well, apparently, per reports, that's going to change. They're going to allow Georgia and Florida to quote unquote, and I say this with a whole lot of salt on it, <laughs> not just a grain, like a bucket of salt. Yeah. They're going to host players. Okay. All that means is it's like Clemson, Georgia last year, where they were able to give players tickets. Right. But that's not what Kirby Smart wants. Yeah. This is not him being like, yes, all my complaining finally paid off. Right. I get to give players tickets. Hell no. BS. What Kirby Smart wants is Florida playing in Athens and to show off his new X hundred million dollar facility. Right? He wants to show off the locker room. He wants to show off the restaurant that they just built in Athens for these players. That's just full service all the time. Go in there. Whatever you want, we'll make it for you. Right? That's what he wants to show off. He doesn't want to show off TIA Bank. No (laughs) offense to TIA Bank. Right. Good stadium. Big ass press box. Love it. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't care about selling that. Yeah, He cares about selling recruits on this is where you're going to live, mm-hmm. and this is where you're going to play a majority of your games. Right? That's what he cares about. And so do I think Kirby Smart is satisfied? We haven't really heard Billy Napier's point on this, but do I think he's satisfied with this? Absolutely not. But it is an update. You will be able to, quote-unquote, host players in Jacksonville. Sure. Yeah. And again, like you yeah. said, it's like how how much can you really do um, with with showing off with showing off Jacksonville to yeah. your recruits and and you know, no shots at Jacksonville but like yeah you're showing off Jacksonville you're giving them a ticket go ahead and and, and sit in the stands for the game um, and and even then like you know maybe your own stadium or whatever you you can have them on the field uh, during the game you can have them in all these different places and not just not just sitting in the stands you know wherever that might right. be for recruits as well wherever they give them the tickets for so um, no. At, is it? I, 
it's better than it was before, for sure. Like, at, at very least, for, for me personally, with them being able to do that, you at least get to show off the experience in a way that you well, haven't see, before. That, we haven't but, really seen it, but it's like you can give them tickets, but if you're trying to recruit a Brock Bowers out of California, that means the parents still have to yeah. pay for the ticket, the plane tickets to get there right? and for the hotel room. And again, that whole travel and everything to get to Jacksonville, not, right. to, get, not to get to Athens, Correct. not to be able to show off your but own stuff. But for so. an official... The schools can pay for it, right? True. So yeah, uh, that's that's rough. Um, better, yes, but obviously not not what he's looking for, right. and I think probably not best case scenario for if you're talking in terms of recruiting. So an an interesting update coming out of Jacksonville, not one that I think inherently matters that much, but. One that I, I guess is I guess is a big deal. We'll see. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll come back. We got some more college football to dive into. Who are the coaches on the hot seat in college football going into this year? ESPN.com put out their list. We'll take a look at some of the bigger names on the list. Some surprise names, but some ones uh, that I think a lot of people are already paying attention to going into this season. We'll talk about it next right here on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Wednesday afternoon. Again, just 24 short days away from the first full Saturday Woo. of college. But we are no Sean Moreno days away. Yes, dude. From the first full Saturday See, of like, college football. That's that's one person I'll admit. Like, I, I everyone knows who I'm a fan of. Yeah, whatever. We can yep. get past that. But I can appreciate other college football teams. And, of course, like, I rag on Georgia, whatever, sometimes. But... I do watch most of the games, and there are certain players that I hold in very high accord. Like, no, Sean Marino was like balling out, like when I was in high school, and whatever. I, I think, like, maybe it was yeah. like upper middle school yeah, and high school, but school, like, high school, yeah. dude, like some of the plays he made for Georgia, goodness, and gracious. still the single most epic tear of all time yeah, oh when God. he was with Denver yeah. crying during that the national anthem is disturbing. Yeah, but it's. I think also they did like the scientific breakdown Same of it, time? which it was like he was trying to hold back the tears, and he had his eyes closed, and so it was just like a cascade of multiple tears at once. But it looked like a just gigantic sized tear. And it's not like that's one of those videos. If I see it, like I can't, I can't really watch it more than once because it just it racks my brain and yeah. just kind of blows it up. But. A lot like some of his plays on the football field for Georgia, where, of course, like everyone goes back to the hurdles because he, he was one of those guys that would just jump over people left and right. But, dude, there were a lot of different different plays that get my, out in the open field, breaking ankles. My favorite play slash call from it ever, and I know uh, based off yesterday you hate this man, uh, but when Georgia <laughs> donned the black uniforms for the first time against yeah. Auburn, uh, it was Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson on the call. And... When they did it, I'm just gonna. We're gonna go behind the doors. PJ, do you mind closing the studio <laughs> door real quick? Because Ben and BJ are out there getting rowdy right now. Sorry, peeling back the curtains, breaking the fourth wall there. Sorry about that. Not even BJ. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, Ben is a human being who keeps his phone on a hundred at all times. Yep. Yep. Back to the Vern Lundquist story. <laughs> Georgia breaks out the black uniforms. It's Thomas Brown and Noshawn Moreno just eviscerating. Uh, Auburn, but the best call was after Noshawn just completely juked out a couple of guys. Just did the, the patented Noshawn cut. Mm -hmm. He gets into the end zone, and Vern Lundquist says, there's lingerie on the field. <laughs> and it's like, 
immediately every Georgia fan is like, oh, they threw a flag? Like, that's what everyone was thinking. But it was like, no, he was saying, you just cooked that guy out of his britches. Yeah. Like, that's so just one of the best Vern Lundquist calls ever. But my favorite thing about Sean, I don't know how many people remember this, is as soon as he got tackled, he was, like, fighting people to get up. Yeah. Like, bounced up every play and sprinted back to the huddle. And, like, it kind of endeared him to the Georgia fan base. But I always found it funny because it was in stark contrast to Todd Gurley who is the slowest human being ever <laughs> getting up off the ground. And they actually asked him about it one time. They're like, dude, it takes you a minute to get up off the ground. And remember, this is after coming after Noshon, and they were used to the running back just popping back up. Thomas Brown, strength and conditioning coach now, like just a yoked up yeah. running back. Like He was popping up off the ground. Todd Gurley would get tackled and would just kind of uh, uh, <laughs> lethargically get back up. And then he said, listen, the referees still have to spot the ball. They have to pull everybody on the pile. He's like, why would I waste my energy when there's like seven 300-pound people on top of me? I'm just going to sit down here and take the 20, 30 seconds and relax. Okay. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense too. Sure. So to, so to each their own. But again, no Sean Moreno days away uh, from the first full Saturday of college football. I guess what? Quincy Carter days away from the first Saturday of college football, 17 days away? Yeah, good, good yeah, job pulling know. that one out. Good you stuff. We, we, we love Quincy. We had a troop talk with him. Yeah, absolutely. This past week. Uh, but we are talking about who is on the hot seat heading into the season. In-state, obviously, it's Jeff Collins. Like I don't think there's any beating around the bush on that. He's won three games, three consecutive years. And the separation between him and Georgia from when he took over the job to where they are now has just gotten so much, so much bastard. Mm-hmm. Like, at least when Paul Johnson was there – you could at least tick Georgia off. We were talking in the last segment about, hey, you can't game plan for someone before the week that you're playing them. Like, and you, you can game plan, but you can't practice for them yeah. just because the way the schedule works. Georgia, when Paul Johnson was there, had, I think it was on Thursdays, they had a segment of every every single week where they practiced for the triple option. Right. Like, so that's how much you lived in Georgia's head, Georgia Tech fans. We're now you're just the warm up game ahead of the SEC championship. Am I? insane or are there other like there were other seasons where not even specifically Georgia but like what where SEC teams or teams that don't normally play Georgia Tech would schedule you know yeah like the schedule mid-major and things like that that. yeah yeah you you scheduled a you scheduled a triple option team to get ready to get ready for Georgia Tech correct yeah so it's uh and it's just something you don't want to do because you're like dang man like I this is so annoying (laughs) this hurts and it's not fun I don't want to do this, but yeah, you kind of had to to get ready for Georgia Tech. So yes, it did become a scheduling thing inside the ACC, especially right. where you go schedule uh, an FCS team or a lower-level FBS team, a service academy, something like that, that ran the triple to get ready for Georgia Tech, especially when Georgia Tech was good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, with Justin like, Thomas and, uh, or Josh Nesbitt and the boys, right? right. Quay Searcy, like getting after it, right? You had to get ready for them, and at least you thought about them. <laughs> yeah. Now you're not even thinking about Georgia Tech. No. and. Okay, so I, I want to come back to Georgia Tech, but I want to mention the no- other names on the list. Scott Frost is up there. I think Scott Frost and Nebraska are going to surprise a lot of people this year. Yeah. They were not good last year, right? They weren't. But they were also showing signs of hope. Like, that could be – I maybe I'm crazy, and I, I know I've talked about this before. I don't believe in firing coaches until you absolutely have to, like until the fan base has given up on them and you're not getting recruits anymore and you look at it you're like, okay, it's time to go. Like, like in a – very, very deep example of that, I'd say Mark Rick, where it's just like 15 years, it's run its course, we need to, like, we understand you're a great coach, but we need to revive 
what we want the program to be, and right now it's just not that. Yeah. I don't believe in you can figure that out in two, three years. Right. Right? So other names on the list are Brian Harson, but with uh, Scott Frost, I'm like, give him time. Because mm-hmm. last year, they were right there in a lot of games. They gave teams hell last year. Yeah. A lot of one-score games, and even more so than like a Tennessee where you look at the record at the end of the year, and you're like, eh. It's like, no, Nebraska was in it. And I think his offense is just quirky enough to where it suits a Nebraska fan base that ran the triple option forever and kind of lost their identity and lost their winning ways once that was replaced by yeah. pro style. Right. Right? So it's a really proud program. I think one of the cooler atmospheres in college football. I always love watching games that are at Nebraska. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I think Scott Frost is a guy who can get it done. The other guy is Brian Harson, and I want to get your opinion on him. He's listed as on the hot seat, but I think if you survive this past offseason, you're pretty much bulletproof. Yeah. Yeah, especially when, like, I know some of that stuff was even kind of debunked to a certain extent. Like, even then, even when it wasn't debunked, he, he still kept his job, right? So, yeah, no, I, I <laughs> you've, you've said that a lot, and I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, honestly. Uh, I think it's going to take a lot more and probably more than even if they come out here and have a losing season this Which year, probably it's probably going to take more than that yeah. even. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be relatively surprised. And I he, think he's a little early. There, and here's there. the difference yeah. between Brian Harson and Georgia Tech, and I know I talk about this a lot. Brian Harson's team had no business hanging with Alabama. Right. And they took him to multiple overtimes with T.J. Finley on one leg. Yep. A guy who I think, and I'm not trying to put people's business out there, it's just a hilarious story. Uh, and hopefully we get to see him on the field again this year. But T.J. Finley recently arrested for evading Auburn police on a scooter. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is the ultimate, God, can we just get to the season from a head coach? Like, <laughs> I just, just get just to the season. Anything but this story. It's like right here. before camp. Like, hey, uh, coach, you're going to be down a quarterback for a minute. Yeah. But you took Alabama to the brink with a quarterback who's not great on one leg. Yeah. Right? I think that's the difference. Like, I, th- I think if you're a Auburn fan, you can look at that and say, that team fights for him. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that team played their ass off for him. True. Whereas Georgia Tech came out, looked up in the stands, thought they were in Sanford Stadium, and then just got demolished off the field. Yeah. Like, I'll give Auburn credit this last year against Georgia. They gave Georgia a fight. Yeah. For a yeah. long time. No. It just, and some balls off a of receiver's hands, and all of a sudden Georgia just kind of cascades over you. But they gave Georgia a fight, and they took Auburn, or Alabama to the brink. So I think Brian Harson ends up being okay. I think Scott Frost ends up being okay. Jeff Collins is going to have to pull something out of a hat. And here's the next point I wanted to bring up. Because we kind of talked about Nebraska, and I think it falls in with Georgia Tech here as well. PJ, if I'm taking over at a FBS school, and I'm coming in, and we're kind of middling, right? We're, we're not terrible, but we're not great either. And we know Kirby Smart has said before that the lifeblood of college football is recruiting. Like, you have to go out there and recruit the best players if you're going to win. And so I'm looking at this, and this could be with anything else. Uh, say you're doing a radio show, and you're like, do I want to come in and do I want to try to do what Colin Cowherd does and what Dan Patrick does, right, and what Jim Rome does? Do I want to come in and do what these guys do? Or do I maybe want to kind of come in and do my own thing and see if that works, right? Do something different because those guys are getting all the listeners anyway. It's going to be really hard for me to pull those listeners away from them, mm-hmm. right? Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, they're getting all the recruits. It's going to be really hard for me to pull the recruits away from them especially with the way that they're winning versus I could be Paul Johnson. 
I can come in and run an offense that just pisses people off. (laughs) And it works. And it's not fun to play. And I'll take you to Orange Bowls with guys y'all didn't want. Mm -hmm. And I'll feed off that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and quarterbacks who are told in high school, listen, you can do this now, but you, you can't do this at the next level. Yep. Right, the way that spread offense is going, you you won't be able to do this at the next level. Screw that. You want to come be a quarterback? Yep. Right. You you were cooking people for a couple thousand yards on the ground as a quarterback in high school, and now they're telling you, you have to go play defensive back. You want to come cook people on the ground for me as my quarterback? Yeah. Right. right? You're an offensive lineman. And they told you you're too small to play in the Power Five. You want to come play for me? Mm-hmm. You want to get out there? And I don't know if you can really do some of the chop blocks that Paul Johnson used to do, but you can still get out there and get gritty. Right. Right. You want to come play for me? Yeah, you're a wide receiver, and you you don't have the power. You don't have power five offers, but you want to. You want the all the bonuses that come with that. You want to go play in all the big stadiums. You want to be on ESPN. I'll get you five six targets a game. Sure, right, and then you'll go to the NFL because I still put guys in the NFL at wide receiver. Yep. Right, so I just when I'm looking at these programs like a Georgia Tech that have fallen off and they're fighting for identity and they're becoming irrelevant, I'm thinking. Why are you trying to do what everybody else is trying to do? Yeah. And I understand it takes buy-in from the administration. But if I come in and I tell you as an administrator, hey, I'm going to try to do the same thing as Kirby Smart, they're going to be like, do you see their budget? (laughs) Do you see how much money they spend? Yeah. Or what if I come and tell you, I'm going to do something that makes them think about us every day. Mm -hmm. And that makes them have to prepare for us and makes us relevant. Because the goal isn't to go Georgia Tech from three wins to 12 wins. Right. The goal is to go from three wins to five wins. It has to be. Yeah. And then the next year is to go from five wins to seven wins. You know what happens when you become a seven-win team or a six-win team? You get to go play in a bowl game. And all of a sudden, the recruits start getting a little better. Yep. And you can get some defenders that maybe you hadn't gotten before. And people are actually talking about you. And kids who are in the metro Atlanta area, their dads aren't throwing the newspaper on the ground saying, this team sucks. Right. And you're like, well, guess I'm not going there. Right. Yeah. They're actually <laughs> saying, hey, that team's got some fight. That looks like something I would like to turn on and watch. That looks like a team that I won't sell my ticket to the other fan base to let them take over my stadium. Yep. Right? So the goal isn't to go from 2 to 12. It's to go from 2 to 3. Yeah. And then from 3 to 5. And if you can belt from 5 to 7, great. You're in a bowl game. Not a bad bowl game at 7 wins. Right? If you can get to 7 wins, you're playing in the Outback Bowl or what used to be called the Outback Bowl. But something along those lines. Right? Yeah. So it's just everybody's trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know what's going to happen when everybody tries to do the same thing? Everything's going to stay the same. Yep. But if you have the people who come in there and say, we're going to try to do something different. Right. And we're going to try to get the guys who you want to make them play wide receiver, and we're going to let them be a quarterback. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah. I, I think if you could get some creativity like that at one of these schools, because everything's cyclical, right? Where it's just like everything goes to spread what won the national championship last year. The fact that you couldn't block what Georgia had. Yep. Right. And then defensively, right? You see, uh, the Pac-12 teams and the Big 12 defenses, they have to get ready for those kind of offenses every week where it's four wide, five wide, spread you out. We're getting ready for going sideline to sideline, bubble passes, uh, and then defending over the middle. As soon as they run into a Big 10 or an SEC team that can run between the tackles, they're screwed. Yeah. Right? So it's it's all cyclical. If you can figure out to, how to do something that people don't know how to defend, because when was the last time do you think a high school football recruit that are going to some of these Power 5 schools had to defend a trap block coming out of the flex bone? Yeah, no, insanely rare. High school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm saying, like, how many high schoolers? Because yeah. we cover high school football. Right, how many right, teams no, that we cover in high true. school anymore even run that? Just switching to the spread. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very true. 
to probably, you know, pop Warner or maybe something like, like that. I mean, like, like Benedictine in our area kind of does it every now and then. I right. think Camden's getting back to it. Yeah. Uh, Glen Academy runs a version of it, but it's just, when was the last time you saw it? Yep. And there's a, there's a time, yeah, there's a time where it was in every high school football stadium. At least one of the, one of the teams yeah. was was running that. Uh, I couldn't be, I, could, I, I just kind of wanted to sit back because I couldn't agree with you more on just all of those points. Uh, especially like when you do, when you make those changes, when you have that identity, that creative identity that people got to get ready for, incremental incremental progress is still progress. And that's another thing. We just get so impatient. We're calling for people's jobs. They have one bad season. Well, guess what? If they improve from that season, let, well, let's keep seeing where it's going because there's momentum going in the right direction. And also uh, about the just everybody, like things being cyclical and doing something different to be able to win games and be able to take control of what you need to. You brought up the Pac-12. Who were the best two teams in the Pac-12 last year? Utah, Oregon. Did they have solid offenses? Yes. But their defenses were a pretty pretty dang good. Like, yeah. I get the whole Rose Bowl, Ohio State thing. I get that. That, that was an outlier for Utah's season. Same thing, well, Oklahoma were, I, State. You want, to say, you want to say Ohio State was missing their best receivers? That's fine. Utah was missing their best defenders. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Oklahoma State, Baylor, the Big 12. You're thinking 50, 60 points every single game, right? Two defense that will smack you in the mouth. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I couldn't agree with you more and, on And like, I guess my things. final point on this one, and Dan Carlin uh, is the host of Hardcore History, but he talked about this. When did Nebraska start to suck? I started changing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they lost. started trying to be like everybody else. Tom Osborne moved on. Yep. They moved away from the triple, and and they, listen, they were running like an I form variant of it, but it was still at his heart the triple option. And he was like, "Listen, I don't need the six five quarterback from California to come in here and run this. Give me the five ten guy who's quick and can make the correct decisions when he needs to, and then can throw." Yeah, right. And I'll go take him, and I'll be the number one school on his board while I'm having to fight fifty other schools for the top pro style quarterback or whatever you want to call him. Right. Right. So it's they started to become irrelevant when they try to do what everybody else is doing, mm-hmm. right? And then I think like West Virginia, I think is a good example of this too. Pat White, Steve Slayton, and that Rich Rodriguez offense. Yes. It was, it was, you weren't ready for it. Georgia played them into the Sugar Bowl. They had no idea what they were looking at. Yeah. They had no idea how to stop that. And it was just Pat White and Steve Slayton up and down the field until DJ Shockley and them kind of let it come back, but they were never in control of that game. Right. And so it's just, you, you do something different. Okay, well, now you're just kind of the same spread offense as everyone else in West Virginia. is just meh. Yep. No one really cares about them. So it's be creative. Yeah. I, I think is the best way to put it. And if you're creative, typically it leads to success. When you try to do what everybody else does, like I said, everything stays the same. Yep. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back with more. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you all hanging out with us here. Three and out coming up next. Uh, the guy is going to be joined by Georgia Southern head football coach Clay Helton, breaking down fall camp first day and pads yesterday for the Eagles. Really good conversation between them and Coach Helton. You'll be able to catch that coming up on three and out. Also going to be joined by South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer. How about that? Break. I, I think if it was seven years ago and Spencer Rattler transfers to South Carolina, that's one of the biggest storylines in college football. Yeah. And no, it's like number 48 on the list of biggest storylines, not to me, <laughs> but to the ones that are being covered. Yeah. It's it's asinine. It's wild. 
It Spencer is Rattler is yeah. the quarterback for South Carolina. It's crazy. They're going to do something stupid this year. I'm predicting it. Now, could stupid mean like eight wins? Yeah, but they're going to do something stupid this year. They're going to beat somebody they're not supposed to. Yeah. Shane Beamer's a good football coach. He, he is. He is. You know I'm my, not saying that just because he's coming on with us. The dude's a good football no, coach. No, yeah. It's, uh, you carry that same energy all the time, right? Yeah. You, you have. You have literally since last football season when he had a seventh-string quarterback and was was still out there almost winning games and winning some games. So, um, no, I you know my thoughts kind of on Spencer Rattler, but I'm still open-minded, and I do completely agree with you. If, if this was a... If we, I know it's different because for some people, for younger people, this is normal college football. But you know what? For us, this isn't. So like, yeah. if we were still in no, like normal college football mode of like the two thousand early two thousand tens to us, this would be huge. This would be groundbreaking. Um, but like you said, it's a little farther down the list. But yeah, think think he's gonna do some solid things there at South Carolina. I think he's made one mistake, honestly, um, since being at South Carolina, and th- that's off the field. Uh, that video, whatever video he did for, for SEC Media Day hey, this year. Hey, come on. That, that was a little, uh, that that was, that was okay. a little cheesy. Was I don't a, know. What, did, was, it, did it have some Jeff Collins on it? A little bit, but. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I'm sure it worked, right? Like, I'm sure it worked for a lot of people, for a lot of South Carolina fans, for a lot of you know potential recruits or recruits, yeah. that young guys that are out there watching it. But you know, for me, I just thought it was well, kind of cheesy. Well, guess what, PJ? South Carolina's not recruiting off. you. Sorry about it. Yeah, good. Uh, but interesting <laughs> schedule for South Carolina this year. Uh, eight games might be tough, but if you can win, I'd say three out of your first five, you feel pretty okay. Georgia State at home, and then you go to Arkansas, and then you host Georgia. Like that is a rough start <laughs> yeah. to this season. I don't know if you'll be able to find many more that are tougher than that. After that. Uh, a couple of FCS teams, and then you take on Kentucky at Kentucky. So like you can start three and two, and then you can move on from there mm-hmm. and say, hey, we got a winning record. Let's dive into the meat of this SEC play. Take on at Kentucky. Then you have Texas A&M and Mizzou at home back-to-back weeks, and then you have at Vanderbilt, at Florida, Tennessee, and then you finish against Clemson. So it's a tough schedule. It is. But I'm just thinking back to last year. South Carolina was a quarterback away in a lot of those games. Mm-hmm. Quarterback away, and now they got a guy who's shown before he could be elite. If he can get back to that, I think South Carolina is going to be a whole lot of fun to watch coming up this year. So again, Coach Shane Beamer going to join three and out coming up here in a little bit. We got to take a quick break though. We'll come back get you ready for three and out next right here on ESPN Radio. Three and out coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. We did have a text come in PJ uh, during the break talking about the conversation we were having a little bit earlier. Trying to be creative, doing something that other people don't do. Yeah. If you if you want to bring a program back and win, uh, text saying, "Well, Georgia emulated Alabama. It worked out pretty well for them." Couple of things there. Georgia and Alabama right now are very different programs in terms of how they approach on the field. Obviously, there's uh, in the recruiting trail, they're going after guys like the mm-hmm. same guys. But in terms of how they approach on the field, two very different programs. But also this. Alabama is the outlier. Like what Nick Saban has built, if you try to base your program off of that and build that going forward, it's not going to work out very well because he's the greatest to ever do it. And so when you try to emulate the greatest to ever do it, there's a reason they're the greatest to ever do it. Sure. Right? Flip side of that is Kirby Smart brought some of the formula over, but Georgia's supposed to be that good. We've talked about how good the recruiting is in this state and how good the high school football is. Georgia's supposed to be this good. Yeah. Georgia's supposed to go out there and have 
the top four team in the country every single year. Right. So I don't know that it's fair, again, to compare to Alabama or to Georgia. We're talking more along the lines of, I'm a mid-level Power 5, high-level G5 team. I want to compete. Okay, do something different. Exactly. And I, I thought, like, I know we're running out of time, but uh, I thought that was the part of the conversation that that came from. Like, Alabama and Georgia can do that because they're in the top five in recruiting every year. Look back at when Georgia even wasn't winning national championships. They were still up there in recruiting, so they can do that. We're, we're talking about other teams that, yeah. that are down the list a little bit, you know? Teams that have been down bad for a little bit. That's who we're referring to. Three and out coming up next. Shane Beamer from South Carolina going to join the show as well as Clay Helton, Georgia Southern head football coach. Next.